Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hi, folks. Derek here. Our guest today is Brent Thomas Diabo, a country singer-songwriter who grew up on a Mohawk reservation on the South Shore of Montreal. We overlapped in Montreal for a while. He is now, like me, based in here in Toronto. But I see him around a lot. He runs in the same circles. He's part of the Bourbonite Regret Society of Toronto that was that was co-founded by some members of my band, The Old Salts, back before I was in the band, before I was in Toronto. So I see a lot of Brent, and he's doing some really great stuff. Uh, original music, but very much in the country tradition. So we're back now to our bi-weekly schedule after our last episode with Max Marshall. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Season 2 so far, and this coming Thursday is going to be the first anniversary of releasing the very first episode of I Quit My Job, and on that day, we're going to have a big announcement for you, so I'm going to be putting up a blog post on the website, that's iqmjpod.com, and so keep an eye out for that. Now, I don't want to keep you waiting, so we're going to get right into the interview, but first, you're going to hear a song called Coming Back Home to You from Brent's upcoming EP. Well, I'm rolling down the blacktop, ripping up the asphalt, coming back home to you. Well, I got a full tank of gas and I'm doing about 105. Ripping up the highway and listening to the engines whine. Got a long way to go and I'm getting home if it takes all night. My baby, she's waiting as lonesome as can be She says she's getting tired of waiting around for me Yeah, yeah, yeah Well, don't you worry, baby, I'll be rolling into town real soon Cause I'm rolling down the blacktop, ripping up the asphalt Coming back home to you Yeah, so that one's called Coming Back Home to You, and I was driving back from Toronto from a recording session at Desert Fish Studio, actually like in the middle of recording this album. Oh, yeah? And uh, like I had a handful of songs that initially I wanted to put on the CD, 
but I kind of scrapped them because I was getting inspiration on other things and new songs were rolling in. So it was like, it was that much fresher. Yeah, that's it. So this song is one of those songs and just driving back on the 401 and the 401 is just like a limitless highway of nothing. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, that's how it came back. And it's, it's about me getting back home to my girlfriend as fast as I can. Cause she was just on the phone texting me like a maniac. Yeah. Like, where are you? When are you coming back? How much further? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I came up with the idea and the concept right then and there. And like I said, I've, I have I used to have a guitar with me when I had a car in between sessions, so I'd pull off to like an hour and out and if fidget, you had that fidget for a little while. Spark. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's uh, a good traps. idea. I got a guitar in the back of my car. I'll just do it on the way home. There tonight. you go, man. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I had <laughs> a, a hit song. <laughs> I heard a story from Craig Cardiff once about when he was driving across the prairies and the highway was just so dead straight there that he'd open his window and hold onto the steering wheel with his knees and just play covers or write Jesus. songs. Because, like, you know, after Winnipeg, there's like no turns at all for like yeah. 20 hours wow, or something. Man. Yeah. I'm not that brave. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. That'd be the one time after, like after some the third animal or fourth, would jump out. Yeah. I think after the third or fourth trip across the country, we'd all get to that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> you get stir crazy, right? That's Especially, true. Never been up that way, but no. Yeah. I never done it yet, but I took I took the train across there. Um and I started in Vancouver. So even more so by the time I made it to the prairies, it was that yeah. boring because I just went over the Rockies. You went through the best like, you went through the best part first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> So you were heading back, what, to Montreal? I was heading back to Montreal, yeah. yeah. So was... You were recording this at Desert Fish. I was. When you were still living up in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, okay. And How was that? It was... Expensive? Fucking expensive. <laughs> tough and everything. It was like, I'd leave Montreal on a Friday. <clears throat> straight from work, I was working as a carpenter. And I'd pick up my band, who, who, amazing band on this album, called the Lorewoods, a rockabilly band out of Peterborough. Oh, so nice. I'd, I'd drive from Montreal to Peterborough, pick them up, <sighs> load up a double bass, drums, electric guitar, drive into Toronto, record for the day, maybe hang around for like another day or so or whatever the session was, mm -hmm. get back in the car, drive them back to Peterborough, <laughs> oh, drive, drive back home on a Sunday night, <clears throat> sleep in my fucking car in an on route. And drive straight to work to tomorrow, work. the next day, building fucking houses. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus my God. <laughs> Dedication. That's, you know, yeah. that makes me feel bad uh. about <laughs> not doing not, that. Not doing that. <laughs> like, it's like, what kind of musician, what kind of folk musician am I? Yeah. <laughs> so are you, are you in Toronto now? I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah. here now. I settled in in February with um, my ex-girlfriend and... We were moving back and forth between here and Montreal for four years. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I've been coming here since I was 17, like in, in various bands and stuff like that. So it just felt natural to relocate here. There's so much going on. I mean, Montreal is great for mm -hmm. folk and like country music, but there's just not enough of... It's, so you, can re you can reach that limit of all, you've seen it all right. in Montreal pretty quickly, like surprisingly yeah. quickly. Well, yeah. especially if you're Anglo, right? There's only... That's it's it. only so much. That's there's it. only so much there for culture if you're Anglo. It's a pretty small city yeah. in that regard. It's a beautiful well, it depends city. on whether. Right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Mm -hmm. And you were there for a little while, so it's. Yeah, I was there. I think I was there before you. It's um, so weird. For about we never, the same amount of time, like four and a half years or something. Yeah, we never bumped into each other. It's so strange. I know. We, well, we go to like all the same places, man. Well, I did. There was one night at. Remember that 
when Bud Rice's sister Hannah was doing that house show series. I Vaguely. I don't know if you know, but I, I, like her and I did that together. We organized it together. Oh, okay. It was her place, but I booked all the bands. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I showed in there like a bat out of hell. I, I, I remember that night. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize it was you until recently the story came up with James because that's where I met James and Devin too. Okay, okay. Um, from the old salts and it was just like the story came up and they're like, oh yeah, I know because Brent was there that night and I was like, what, really? Yeah, yeah. And they were telling me, yeah, because we had a jam session and you were playing all these country tunes and I was like, oh my God, yeah, that guy was Brent. Like yeah. I didn't realize. <laughs> that was a remember, wild name. Man. But was it, and I'm not sure about this, but I think it was you who called the police Yes, <laughs> I called okay, the police. You guys need to tell this story because I uh, I don't understand what's going on right now. So, all right. I'll the link- background is that a friend of mine, a, fr- a mutual friend of ours, had a, an apartment in Montreal that she had moved out of, but didn't find a new person to rent it. So mm-hmm. she had an empty place for a month, and I met her through some friends. And I was like, "Let's do house shows. Like we'll mm-hmm. do every Saturday for the whole month." You know, and yeah. that was it. And I and so it was like. We had an we had a bar. I made beer. I brewed beer for the event and everything. So it was very much like illegally selling beer at this event. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> it's despite good beer, the, man. it did the trick. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can take over the story. Yeah. Sorry, no. Go ahead, continue, continue. I actually don't really remember why you why I showed up. I kind of just showed up. Um, well, I, I linked up with James, right? Because uh, we were trying to set up some gigs in Toronto and in Montreal. Uh, James kind of coming up at the same time as I was and I knew Bud from playing at Britopia all the time and Grumpy's and you know like the whole circuit in Montreal and um, James is like hey man we're in town coming out of this this house party and I, I think I had a gig that night as well and I showed up and I was a little bit under the influence and uh, <laughs> like I said Derek's beard did the trick and by the end of the night I I called the police because I lost my car Oh, shit. <laughs> I was having trouble locating it, and uh, they they came and they were like, "Is that your car right there, one block away?" And I was like, "Yeah, that is my car." Yeah, <laughs> one block away, and they're like, "You're obviously not driving that car, right?" I was like, "No, no, no." No, I just needed to know where it was. Yeah, that's it. My own peace of mind. It. That's it. Uh. Yeah. <clears throat> Right then I did the opposite of that. And, uh, I'm not trying to incriminate myself, but, you know, I, I got away with it. <laughs> right. Now, the funny part, though, is that, like, someone was like, oh, yeah. I remember you being like, I lost my car, guys. I lost my car. And then somebody's like, oh, yeah, Brent called the cops. And I'm just like. <laughs> and you have beer. We're Ille- sell- illegal illegally beer. selling beer. <laughs> the cops are coming here. So what's we had the, to, like, the statute of limitations and I were trying to hide the beer and everything. But there was... <laughs> Someone had called the cops over a noise complaint as well. Oh, yeah? So It's all a bit foggy. There was two separate <clears throat> calls sets of to cops that, that showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what you're both saying is you're lucky that you uh, didn't get... <laughs> the same night, you both could have been arrested, basically. One guy well, we, liquor. <laughs> we started yeah. our friendship off on the right foot. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. In the proper old-timey yeah. fashion. <laughs> it's like at a speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Playing country music. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's it's how I get myself into yeah. these situations. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. it's funny. So how do you know James and Devin? I actually never asked anybody this before. Through, like, uh, I met you through them, obviously, that night. Through Gavin Slate. Oh yeah, 
really they came know. up here and I had a gig with I think Gavin Slate and Darren Edens and that's how I, I met James okay. and Devin and then they like like I said we just corresponded about setting up gigs back and forth in both cities and then they came out of there and that's when I actually met them was at that that gig at the supermarket and the second time was at this party was in Montreal party? Yeah. yeah oh that's funny yeah <laughs> So where'd you grow up? I grew up on the south shore of Montreal on a, uh, a Mohawk reservation. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a little piece of America. So you're indigenous then? I am. I yeah. am indigenous, yeah. 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 Piece of America? It's actually across the border? No, no. It's just uh, the mentality oh, there. Mentality. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mentality. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're close yeah. enough right there that like it could be. You know. It, it is like um, about 45 minutes from upstate New York, mm-hmm. yeah. crossing the border. And... Uh, the tradition there is that a, lo- a lot of guys there were uh, high steel iron workers in New mm-hmm. York City. So a lot of them spent most of their lives in New York and then they came back to Kahnawake on the weekends and raised their families. Mm. So they kind of had that American... Yeah, they brought mentality. back a bit of the culture. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 yeah. So that's that's where I grew up, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Still go back there every now and then. My family's yeah, still located family's still there. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. So is that where you uh, got your country chops then? The mixture of American and Canadian culture kind of? Yeah, yeah. I just, I I was very resentful and I totally did not want anything to do with that style of music growing up. I was like. Yeah, I think we all did at some level. I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. Angsty punk rock kid with like a four foot red mohawk and, you know, (laughs) just getting into all sorts of mischief with my friends. But I think once, once I grew out of that, I I joined a lot of like heavy metal and hardcore bands and we, we toured around and uh, we got signed to an independent label called Year of the Sun based out of Guelph. This was like, hmm. I don't know, way back now, a couple of years, mm-hmm. eight years or so. And uh, so I, I did that and that's how I ended up like seeing most of the country and, you know, meeting other musicians. But when I grew out of those styles of music I kind of just fell back just into happened. like traditional roots music yeah, yeah. That's so it. was it pretty organic then you just kind of picked up a guitar and that's what came out or did, was there a concerted effort to to go that direction I kind of just picked up a guitar because that's what I, I learned initially when I first yeah. started playing it was mm. like blues and roots music but I was just like this is it's garbage yeah, yeah. this is lame this <laughs> yeah. old man shit yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you know so now you've transitioned Which, into old mandom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. See, see, it remains true that it's old man shit, but it's just that that's not a bad thing anymore. No, yeah. it's not. It's because I'm an old man now. <laughs> so did you write for these other bands? Like, did you write in these hardcore bands? I did. Um, I wrote all of the music. Oh, really? Okay, so you've always been the writer. Yeah, and I only started writing lyrics for these bands put it this CD with this band called Hatred. <laughs> Hatred? Uh, yeah, about six years ago. There's got to be a lot of bands called oh, Hatred. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's tons. The name speaks for itself. So. <laughs> Don't even ask. And uh, our, our singer was Francophone, and he had trouble writing English and not so much speaking but articulating certain things. Mm-hmm. So I wrote all the lyrics on that album for him, hmm. and uh, that's how I kind of got, got started in songwriting. It's a weird transition. That's a very strange. Yeah. Uh, we haven't. Had, we have yet to have that particular. Well, Bryce, I think. Well, Bryce, but Bryce didn't come from hardcore though. It was more pop, it was punk, more like emo all, all stuff. Yeah, it wasn't 90s. quite hatred. Yeah, it, was yeah, quite, it wasn't quite hatred. <laughs> we sounded like Madball meets Hatebreed meets <laughs> like 
this oh, just like the whole accumulation of bands in that genre. It's, it was fun. It was fun. For yeah. Do you still go back to that to listen to sometimes? Things like that? I reminisce and I laugh my ass off about it. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll look at videos and there's the albums online and stuff like that. It's Oh, man. It yeah, very, I guess you guys signed like you guys are doing pretty well. Yeah, we were doing okay. Like, like we were. It was, uh, and were you still living at home at the time? I was. I was. I was kind of living with one of my band members every now and then like we were all kind of we were on the road so much that we mm-hmm. all just crashed at each other's houses you know and that was it you have a bit of a transient lifestyle when you're doing that yeah that's it so i, I kind of got used to it and i fell in love with the, the whole touring thing right doing that live shows and like the whole camaraderie of playing music was at that point in my life and i was like 17 and that sharing road stories with the bands you play gigs with and oh stuff. yeah 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 it was wild that. times wild times man um how, sorry, how old were you? I was 17 when I went Jesus. out with him, yeah. And I yeah. stopped doing it when I was 21, and I kind of took a, a year off yeah. playing music, and then I kind of just settled back into playing, like, country and blues and roots music. So you weren't, you weren't that old then. You were so old, like, 22. I think I lived a lot, though, in those, like, four or five years. <laughs> yeah, it just, it sounds just, like, like it. grinded me down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, this bit, you know, the romance of the of the country singer is very the road weary traveler kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The, and in the, the you're somebody who actually earned that a little bit before starting to write country music, which I think is maybe why it's so convincing. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why it sounds like so true to tradition and like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put that on my resume. There you go. <laughs> Here, if you yeah. need a cutaway quote, I'll give you. We, yeah. we can give you. Uh, yeah. Those guys from that podcast said this. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, mm. so that's it. That's how that's how I got into it, and uh, it's been like a hell of a ride so far. And I got this new mm. record coming out, and I'm so excited about that, man. I yeah, just, yeah. Cause and how a, many? Is, it, like, which number is this? The new record. This would be officially two. Okay. Second second EP, but this was like two years, almost three years in the making. Yeah, yeah, so you've been taking your time then. I have, I have. I wanted to do it right, and, you know, just really meticulous about the songwriting especially. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It came well, it's out fun- well. It's funny you say that, because you you earlier said that uh, during the, pro- like, once you started working on it, in the studio you scrapped a bunch of the songs and wrote brand new ones for yeah. it and everything. It's like, <laughs> yeah. How does, does it, is it just, is freshness that important? I think so. I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it yeah, is. That's what it is. It's really crucial because you could accumulate so many songs and hold on to them for so many years and then you get bored of them and you don't put yeah. them out. And then if you write something like I was saying earlier when I was writing something on the road and I was like, I have to put this on the new album. I just mm-hmm. have to, like I had no choice. So I kind of, you know, scratched a bunch off the list and threw these, this, this song yeah. uh, coming back home to you on there. Just because I thought it was so good that right. mm-hmm. it had to be on. I couldn't wait to put it on the next one because that that so you, per, could take like another three another, years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then by then you've got new ones. And yeah, you don't yeah, want to do that. That's yeah. the thing. Now after you do after you finish it and and you, and you send to mastering or whatever, do you, does that inspiration remain for certain songs? Like because you said you started. No, I mean you started to write a bunch of really good songs while you were working on the record. Did you keep writing? Once you were finished? Yeah, yeah, I kept writing. There's always a dry spell, though. It's, mm. You get writer's block for a bit. I don't know if you get that. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I live in that. Yeah. <laughs> we talk, it's, it's one of the it's perpetual of the subjects yeah. in this conversation. It's, it's yeah. the worst. It's the worst. I, got, I, I went through one that 
I'm not even sure I'm still out of, but it's been years. Like, it's it's tough. It can get really, uh, it's like, why haven't I written a song in a year? I gotta write something, and then yeah. you write shit. You know? so. Yeah, because you can't write something just because you have to write something. Like, yeah. That's not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You need yeah. to put, like, for me, my writer, I'm, in, I'm in it right now. And um, I wonder if you feel the same way, but it's like, I came to Toronto you know, there's a lot of change and a lot of inspiration, so I wrote a bunch of songs. But then I've just been working a lot because mm-hmm. you just have to to live in Toronto, yeah. to yeah. be able to afford to live in Toronto. I've yeah. been working a lot, playing with the old salts, and, like, uh, I've just been busy. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really been able to write very much because I haven't been able to set aside the time. Yeah. Um, do you feel something like that in, in Toronto now? Sometimes I get that, but yeah. I, I write a lot on the go. Mm-hmm. Like, I just finished a song today like in in the metro yeah but i was <laughs> so see, jealous I'm, jeal- yeah, I'm jealous of that ability i was working on the song for like two or three months though and yeah. i was like one verse away from finishing it and it was just like always on my mind and then it's like it just happens you yeah. know it could happen anywhere anytime so i gotta get better at responding to that moment yeah. when it comes yeah know? well for me it always hits when i'm not in a position where i can write you but know. he did, it had, but he does it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't have that ability. I, think I have you're to have a guitar. Excuses now. <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. I gotta write a song on the way home tonight. It's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Generally, like a, a cocktail napkin writer, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm either I or keep, sing it into your phone. That's kind of it. Like, yeah, I do that too. a lot. Yeah. yeah, or carry a book around or something because yeah. it strikes at any moment, man. And it's like, oh, I can't forget this. This would fit so well with this song yeah. at this part. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know. You can't let it just slip away because then yeah. you're going to be in like, you're going to go back and like sit around and like dwell on that song again for another like three months. Yeah. Then you're yeah. Just, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's not going to leave you alone until you do it. Right? Yeah. 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 But, but then you get those songs that you write in like and 10 just, minutes. Yeah. yeah. Done. Just like yeah. boom, they're there. Which is so, you know, fulfilling. Yeah. I find those ones are the ones that spark a cluster because I'll, what I'll do is I'll write three quarters of a song and I can't finish it. And then I'll write one of those 10 minute songs and then I can go back and finish, finish the other ones. Yeah. It almost like opens up some channel or something. Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure yeah. <clears throat> I've been uh, having this, I've kind of been analyzing these kind of things lately just because I've been in a writer's block and been sort of like, okay, so what's wrong with how I'm doing it that's preventing me from like writing anything good or mm-hmm. finishing things. And I'm starting to think that like the, the style of the, of the melody in a song, I can only write good. I feel like I can only write good lyrics if the phrasing is mm-hmm. the way you know suits the way I write. Right, right. But I write a lot of songs where maybe that's not the case, and then I just have no words for them. But every yeah. once in a while, I'll hit on that thing, and then I can write like ten, twelve verses easy, just because yeah. it has the momentum and it has the phrasing. Um, and that really comes down to genre a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So, for you. When you started writing again after after your fate, your youthful metal phase um, <laughs> or hardcore phase or whatever, um, did it take a while for you to find a way to write in these old timey folkloric genres, or was it like did it just feel natural? No, it, it took a while. Yeah. It took a while to hone the craft for sure. I thought it was going to be easy getting into it because. Bob Dylan did it like just rhyming random words. It's like, so, how hard could it be? It's three chords. It's like, it. what the hell? It's three chords. And it's, <laughs> seems easy on the surface. some right? gibberish. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I could do this. But, you know, the, the further I delved into it, I realized that it's, it really is storytelling and you're, you're actually painting this picture and you're creating this world. And someone who does it so well, um, 
I feel like I'm giving away my secrets, <laughs> but <laughs> but Tom Waits has this, yes. this album, yeah, the second yeah. album, The Heart of Saturday Night. And if you listen to that song, he sets the mood like you're in downtown. Where was he based? He's based out of Los Angeles, I think. Mm-hmm. And this song is just about being a working class guy and going out on a Saturday night and you hear the crack of the pool balls and the neon lights burning mm. and it's like it's very romantic but yeah once i started listening to songwriters who set that i was like okay now it's like yeah it's very very it's it's like coinciding with literature almost yeah. mm. you know so that's that's how i look at it now is that i'm writing a story with a beginning middle and end mm-hmm. and it's been hard to like establish it it's taken years to like hone yeah. that yeah. yeah but yeah. That, that's how i'm looking at it nowadays in the beginning, it was not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. It just so, kind of, you spew for a while, and, yeah. then, and then you're like, that's enough time. I'm at over three minutes now. It's fine. Yeah. That's <laughs> do, you, some do you find then you're autobiographical, or do you mostly uh, create characters, or is it a little bit of both? I can pull from both. I mean, for the most part, it, it's. I think it has to be autobiographical because you got to be one hell of a writer to create this whole world and this whole character and this whole mood. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're pulling from actual experiences and then you're, you know, adding a little Tweaking, fiction to yeah, that, yeah, then you could do it. Yeah. And which is like mostly is that's mostly what I do in most of my songs is I pull from real experiences. Then I add little, you know, mm-hmm. dashes of mm-hmm. fiction here and there. Mm-hmm. And that's, Embellish yeah. here and there, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. What would happen if this happened instead? Just a white lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you slip it in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes make yourself look better. Sometimes make yourself look worse for the that's, sake of the song. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, I often find like just this little nugget, uh, almost maybe just like a feeling or something, mm-hmm. and then just expand on that. So a lot of it, I'd say my. A lot of my songs are more fiction than truth, but they're always rooted. Right. Yeah. In, in reality. Yeah. I'm in this really autobiographical phase. I, I don't think I've ever been quite so honest. And I, I just find myself sitting down and going, okay, what, what do I actually want to say here? Like, what would I say in this situation? Like, and I'm finding like a lot of the time too, it happens with a, with a line or something. Mm-hmm. So for me, like recently I wrote a song where it was, uh, there's a crack in the driveway of the house where I grew up. And that just had that meter to it. And that sort of spawned. Like an entire song. That was one of the ten minute yeah. ones that kinda of opened the floodgates a bit for me. But, but that's painting a picture right there. Exactly, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And you know, it's like and there really was a crack that I used to stare at for yeah. hours. Like, you know, it's that that kind of thing. So, you know, I find that that that's that sort of autobiographical way of looking at it is right. pretty good. You can sort of extrapolate from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that definitely. Mm-hmm. But um this this whole album I wrote before I actually broke up with my ex, and it's mm. and the album's <laughs> called "Take Me Back," and the first single's called "Take Me Back," and yeah. I'm like, this is way too close to home. And I yeah. was like, this it's not it's not even based on that relationship. It's based on another relationship that I kind of observed, but I huh. I understood what that couple was going through from personal experience. But the idea of that song kind of came from you know observing. And I think that's another way you could go about doing it is by mm-hmm. just watching right yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and having trying to have some empathy that's it and just using those stories whether or not you like John Prine's a good example of people who write stories yeah. very different from his own life mm-hmm. often like, writes with female lead characters and things yeah, yeah. yeah. where he's just empathizing mm-hmm. with what another person's going through and then so mm-hmm. accurately kind of translating the emotion into song yeah 
Yeah. Something to strive for. I think Spanish Pipe Dream is one of my favorite yes. John Prine songs. That's so a great song. Yeah. Yeah. So you were writing music, um, started to write folk and country music when you were 21 or something, something like that, 22. Yeah. yeah. When did you move to Montreal? I've always been back and forth there. I've always, oh, you were already yeah, doing yeah. that at that point? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's been back and forth since I was 22. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was bouncing around. I've been bouncing around. I'm still bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've changed your home base, but you're still on the road most yeah, of the time anyway. It. Yeah, I'm yeah. still traveling a lot. So when did, when did you start gigging in Montreal, and what was that like at first? Um, I broke in just doing the open mic circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which ones? I did Brutopia, I did Grumpy's, I did uh, Reggie's. There's a couple of others. It's funny, so Grumpy's open mic is one I've never done because I used to just go on the Thursdays for the open jams. Mm-hmm. So I've never actually been. I don't think I've ever been to Grumpy's on a Wednesday night. It was it was on Tuesdays. I don't know. Oh, if Tuesdays. It still is. Sorry. Yeah. But the stand up comics would come out. Yeah, I think that's yeah. why I avoided it. I <laughs> yeah, like, ah. that's what I was gonna say. If you're a musical act, they'll just rip you apart after you after, <laughs> after they go on. T- yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Did that happen to you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, a bunch. I don't really remember what they'd say, but vaguely, I remember just getting like really livid about. One guy cracking a joke, and then I just walked out. Yeah. And Brutopia was good because it was more like a musician's yeah, hub. The bro- but, uh, that's that's where I started. It was a lot of the open mics, and uh, later on, and I just, who was hosting it at that time? There was a bunch of people. Um, oh yeah, they do the rotational thing. Yeah. Right? I know Bud hosted it. Because I know Johnny Griffin used to host. Johnny used to yeah. host it. Um, I think this one guy named Mike Hand. A couple other people, and it was just such a heavy rotation there. Yeah. yeah. So did it take a while to start like feeling more comfortable playing? I think I think it does for alone anyone. on a stage. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it does for anybody, um, especially when you're just getting your bearings. Mm-hmm. You don't really know, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. Pretty much, and you're yeah. just jumping into it. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to go through that, but I definitely got my chops there and. You know, nowadays I, I play those bars. It's like a yeah. re- regular artist, so it's it's like, oh, I, I went through the shit in these places. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I paid my dues. <laughs> yeah. Now they can pay you to do the three sets. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, That's do you it. still do open mics at all, though? Uh, just to try out new stuff or no, screw around? No, I just I, there's. I think it's kind of hard to find decent open mics in it this is, city. Yeah. Like, it's, well, anywhere, yeah, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would if you know. If a bunch of other people would want to go out and do it sometime, I would. Like, if you guys want to do it sometime, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I was hosting one here for a while, but... Are you not doing that anymore? Well, they kind of... I yeah. won't name the place, but they kind of just chipped me a couple times. Oh. And I was yeah. just like... Not anything serious. I've been like... But I've been doing gigs and stuff. And we used to go... Travis and I used to go host an open mic mm-hmm. for so many years now that like a couple little things... You know, if it happens more than once, mm-hmm. it's enough for me to be like, all right, no, yeah. I'm just going to And open mics are notorious when you're hosting it for just being the worst. Yeah. <laughs> just putting up with all the, the green musicians. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and putting up with, as well with when they don't show up and you have to play three sets and, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. And there's the pros and cons to that sometimes. There it's is, yeah. listening to the... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to... I, I mean, I would have liked to because it was a paycheck to host, but yeah. I just never... Really had too much interested because too much responsibility, man. Just way too much responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the paycheck's usually quite small. Oh yeah, God, they're terrible. That's yeah. it. 
But it's fun. It's all in good fun, right? And that's how that's how a lot of people. That's how I got started yeah. playing open mics. I think that that's like a sign of it. At least in a smaller city, I can't speak to bigger ones, but uh, I live in Windsor, so I, I know the health of open mics is really important to see the health of the scene. You know, right. you see how that's where yeah. new people come out and kind of, you know, hone their skills and and learn what it's like to be on stage before having to get a gig. So. That's, it. that's it. I find I, it's been my experience that small city open mics are better. Yeah, because. In big cities, you know, people can get really pretentious, and open mics can get really exclusive. Yes, yeah, which I can is, see that. That happens a little bit. Completely in contrary to like what open mics are supposed yeah, to be yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be a safe space for, for yeah, new people. Yeah. yeah. So that's when you find one like that, it's actually pretty nice. And I think Fog Mondays these days is like it's pretty. It's getting. Is it getting? It's a little getting bit? a little bit. Like everybody who plays is pretty skilled at this point, and mm-hmm. it's the busiest night of their week, right? So they don't necessarily want shitty people going up there at this point because people yeah, they want to keep people in the bar. So there's a bit of uh, it's crossing that line. It's crossing that line a little bit. Yeah, it goes in cycles. In two or three mm-hmm. years, it'll be shit again. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the switch to Toronto. Let's. That was because of the music, right? Was this that a music decision? Bunch of bunch reasons. of reasons. Yeah, I was lucky enough that I could do it because of music, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I just came out here for the life experience. You know, I was I was with someone, and her work kind of brought us here, and uh, I just fell in love with the city. Yeah, you know, I, I knew the old salts, Gavin, Darren, Darren Edens, a couple of other people, and. Uh, like I remember the first time going to like the Cameron house and my mind was just like blown. Yeah. It was like this is like the Mecca. Yeah. Or totally. The, or the Dakota, you know? I was like, Oh this God. Is, yeah. I experienced the bluegrass brunch there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's just the first time. Great places, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly where I wanted to be, so I just kinda stayed, decided to stay. Yeah. yeah. Feeling good about that? Feeling good about staying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard on the pocketbooks, but you know you, it is. You do what you gotta do. That's it. You know what? You'll always do what you have to do, right? Yeah. yeah. So you you're working then outside of music at this point? I am. Uh, I'm an actor and a carpenter. So an actor and a carpenter. An actor and a carpenter. Jeez. Yeah. I just did some a TV show in Montreal, so that's that generates a little bit of income every now and mm-hmm. then. Yeah. You know, carpentry is like my main gig. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, let's get into this acting thing. What was the TV show about? The TV show. <laughs> <laughs> now you've opened the can of worms. So okay. We got we to go there. Well, it's related. You know, the performative <laughs> yeah. aspect of yeah. it is connected, right? It's it's a pretty dark story, actually. The guy, um, I I play this guy, and he's uh, he works on the oil rigs, and he becomes addicted to crystal meth and cocaine because he's making all this money, and he uh, gets into this relationship with this girl, and starts lavishing her with you know, gifts and a nice apartment and taking her out to eat all the time. And uh, he gets so addicted to these substances that he starts losing his job and, like, falling behind at work. And he almost so overdoses at work, and he um, he loses his job initially in the end. And uh, his relationship just goes into, like, this downward spiral, becomes very violent and dependent on alcohol and these substances and... Uh, in a domestic argument with his partner, he ends up killing her. Hmm. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I was that guy. <laughs> How long did you do that? It was a three-day shoot okay. in Montreal. So it's like, you know, I go back there for gigs like that. Yeah. And then I come back here. and This is home base. So, yeah. 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 Do you yeah. find then that that uh, makes you a better performer? 
Does yeah. it does it does it alter anything? Uh, I think there there's definitely parallels. I yeah. Mean, even even though it looks like there's just you and your partner while this TV show or film is shooting, mm-hmm. there's actually a crew of like twenty or thirty people. Yeah, there. you're in front mm-hmm. of. So you're still giving a, a performance. Yeah, yeah you're still yeah. giving a performance, right? And that's that's a parallel with music. You're still up on stage giving a performance, but it's two very different type of art forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think one they both benefit each other in different yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's uh what else? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up on a reserve. Is that, uh is it do you find that something that influences how you write or do you find it's just another thing? I think it's just another thing I kind yeah. of separate from that. Um it's a beautiful place and like that's where I'm from and that's who I am but mm-hmm. it's not really incorporated in my music mm-hmm. um and i know that there's a whole niche market for like indigenous artists and stuff like that and yeah like, by all means if you guys want to give me a gig <laughs> give me a gig yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't i don't you know put that yeah it's on not my, a, on my music or yeah. label myself is that no. anything i'm mm-hmm. a musician first and foremost mm-hmm. yeah i don't want to pigeonhole sure. myself in any, in any way mm-hmm. yeah, that's all but mm-hmm. And for the next record, uh, what 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 would you do differently? Um, I, I had a really good experience recording this album, like as tedious. Did as Sid it was. produce it? Sid Sid did produce it. Gal- Sid? Galbraith. Galbraith. Sydney Galbraith. Sydney Galbraith. Desert Fish Studios. Shout out for the listeners. He'll <laughs> <laughs> make you sound good. We're kids. working with him now with the old salts. So yeah, he's like, good, man. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's really comfortable to work with. Mm-hmm. Very supportive and. Uh, I'd, I'd probably work with him again for the next album. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think just maybe less traveling. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's now built into it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Now Peterborough is not so far away. You don't that's, have to do yeah. that triangle run. Are you still playing with those guys? The Lorewoods? Yeah, is that your live band now? Uh, they were for a little while. Yeah. Um, who's your live band these days? A couple of Humber guys. They're all Humber guys. Oh, yeah? Uh, hmm. have a double bassist named Keegan Grabanier electric guitar player named Jesse McQuaig and uh, his brother Lee McQuaig on drums. All mm-hmm. all Humber dudes, all Humber jazz guys, and they're really, really good on yeah. the fly. Huh. The Lorewoods are a great band, but it was just it was too hard traveling. Yeah, yeah. distance. Yeah. yeah. And we had a couple of residencies, so they'd come up here every week, and it just became like, too much. It becomes a slog yeah. after a while. Yeah. So you want to play us a song? Sure. This is the one that I just finished today. In the Metro. In the Metro. It's about a Vietnam veteran. I was born in the nothing Born on the wrong side of the tracks Dad of the mama when I was a child And he ain't never been back So when I came of age I went into town And joined up with the military Well the man behind the desk Said you're in the right place Be all that you can be So I signed my name up on the dotted line He said well boy we'll take care of you 
get a nice paycheck and three meals a day in a brand new pair of boots. So I signed my name up on the dotted line. He said, well, son, you belong to me. And the only way that you ever get an ounce in a box six feet deep. take long before they sent me overseas to a place called Vietnam. They said this fella named Charlie was causing a ruckus and we had to take care of that. Well, now here I am now in the middle of the jungle in a foxhole dug in deep. I try and survive a hell of gunfire fighting for my country. Well, the days turn to weeks and the weeks turn to months and the months they turn to years. What I wouldn't give to be back home What the hell am I doing here Well now when I came back home I was a different man well, I did a lot of things that I ain't proud of While well, I was fighting for my homeland Well, I had a lot of friends and I lost most of them You know how the story goes Well, there ain't no place for a good old boy Fighting in a rich man's war Well, there ain't no place for a good old boy Fighting in a rich man's war That was our conversation with Brent Thomas Diabo. We hope you liked it. Brent has a new EP, which he expects to release in the spring, called Take Me Back. For more information on that, as well as his tour dates, you can check him out at brentthomasdiabo.bandcamp.com. Brent is spelled B-R-E-N-D-T. Well now, baby, I know I've done you wrong, dear. But I'm begging you, darling, let me come home Well, I won't do nothing that you don't like, dear Well, if you promise to try my love once more Well, if you take me back Just one more time Well, I'll treat you good, girl, baby, I'll treat you right Well, if you take me back let me come back home Yeah, well, baby, I won't do you no wrong You can find him at Facebook as well at facebook.com slash brent.diabo He also has some shows coming up in the Toronto area if you're interested. He's playing on March 18th at Dave's. On the 26th, he's at the Merchant Ale House in St. Catharines. And the following night on the 27th, he's at the local in Toronto. Well, now, darling, I know I've been no down and but I promise not to leave you said and blue. As for us, we've been gaining a lot of new listeners over the past month, and we could not be happier about that. We really appreciate all that you've done to get the word out about us. Uh, but we could continue to use your help. 
Uh, if you subscribe on iTunes, please go rate and review us. It helps us get noticed by iTunes' complicated algorithms, which push it, pushes us to new audiences. Uh, but the most effective way to get us into new sets of ears is word, is, is word of mouth. So please tell your friends about us. You can find us, of course, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle IQMJPod. You can go to our website, IQMJPod.com, where you can listen to all 21 episodes of the podcast and find everything you need to know about us. And as always, you can find us on SoundCloud by directing yourself to SoundCloud.com slash IQuitMyJob with dashes between those words. Our next episode features Karina Rose with a special guest co-host, Rachel Cardiello. That's in a couple weeks. We'll see you then. I'm free today.